Welcome to the world as we know it, a podcast where we talk about our world, the questions we have about it, what we know, and most importantly, what we don't. We're your hosts, Ronnie, Chelsea, and Taylor. Uh, Taylor, what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about uh, social media and more specifically kind of our association with our story alongside social media, because this, the topic of social media is pretty vast and we could spend probably every day for two weeks straight talking about social media alone and all the different facets. So today, this morning, um, we wanted to talk about kind of our working with, our story with, our association with social media. Uh, to get started, I, th- I thought it'd be fun for us to share our favorite social media app and then our least favorite social app. Um, I, I can kick us off with that. I think my favorite social—I don't use social media a ton. I think the last time I posted was during my wife and I's anniversary this last month, and then prior to that was a little over a year ago. So you could say I, I'm an avid user. Um, I'm joking. Uh, but I think my favorite is Instagram, uh, primarily because I have actually gotten products because of Instagram that I love clothing, tech, uh, food. And then secondarily, uh, I love the fact that my uncle and my, like my grand, my grandparents are even on it. Um, and that my siblings all post and I can stay up to date with cousins and I can stay up to date with what my grandparents are doing. Um, I can stay up to date with what friends in other countries and across the United States are doing. So I think hands down, it's probably Instagram. It's the one I use the most, even though I don't really use Insta- Instagram or social media a whole lot. And then unarguably my least favorite social media app or social media platform, Facebook. It has, it has turned into like, it, there was a point where it was like a bunch of young people and then it turned to like moms playing the farming game or whatever. And it was like, it's all it was for like four years. My mom still then, sends me oh my gosh. I can't, <laughs> dude, we should never ever relive the friend farming game, any game invite on social media, specifically Facebook. That was terrible. Uh, and then after that, it turned into like, oh, the parents use it and that's cute. We can keep up with our, our family there. And now it's just turned into this like aggressive, I'm going to post a bunch of stuff that pisses a bunch of people off. And then we're going to have an aggressive conversation in the like comment section and it lasts like 150 comments. And then you're like, that's on the internet forever. And now this is just negative Nancy every time I get on. Uh, so I think I get on Facebook like once every eight months, maybe. That's an exaggeration. Probably once every like two or three months. But I just don't like it. I think it's a bit of hell. Taylor, have you ever seen those posts like on Reddit of, of old people on Facebook of just like they don't know how to use Facebook or religious computer? So like their Facebook status is is them saying cookie recipes, cookie recipes, <laughs> computer take me to cookie recipes. And they just don't understand it. And then like their grandsons, like granddaughters are just like grandmothers on how to use it. They're like, hello, how do I use this? Like over Facebook. And it's just so it's so wholesome and cringy at the same time because they just That's don't adorable. understand it. And it's like, they try to like talk to like, like Walmart people, like on the Walmart Facebook <laughs> p- 
profiles. <laughs> I was in I was in the library last year and uh, before COVID, and there was this. I was using the computer there, and there was this lady behind me on Facebook on the phone with I'm assuming her son, and she was like, "I can't find the inbox. Which one do I pick? <laughs> Is it over here?" And you could hear the son in the phone. He was like. No, mom, it's the, no, don't pick that one. And she was like, I'm getting so frustrated. I can't figure it out. <laughs> Adorable. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I will, I will go next. Uh, but yeah, favorite social media app uh, of all time. Uh, rest in peace, Vine. Uh, but I think TikTok um, is just really, uh, really, really taking the cake for that. I know I was still around when, when Vine was, was, was cool. Um, but I think TikTok is is my all time favorite. I think there's 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 a lot of good comedy on there, but there's also just like a lot of great uh, like I get a lot of like cooking recipes from TikTok now, which is really cool. Uh, and I may have talked about this on the um, on the podcast before, but it's also very informative. There's also a lot of garbage on it. I will say, um, like most social media apps, or if not all social media apps. Um, but I love TikTok uh, so much that I gave it up for Lent. So see you back when it's Easter, TikTok. Um, uh, least lose all your followers, man. <laughs> uh, I lose followers just because I don't post. So I need to I need to get back <laughs> on that. Um, but I don't have time for that. So least favorite, definitely. Um, I think the most garbage app in the world is Twitter. Uh, it's so. If you just see people's retweets, uh, I follow a lot of people like who I went to college with, um, but with them, they they retweet a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, is just it's just a lot of people who who read, you know, who just read the, the headlines of news. And then they just, they just take that and they post on Twitter and the tweet goes viral. And like when I saw it's like. Oh, the house is trying to to, to take to, to uh, I can't remember what it was, but like they they just say something and it gets so many thousands of likes and retweets and everyone just buys it and believes it. And then I go research it and I'm like, no, they never said that. I'm trying to find that they never said that. But everyone's like so woke, quote unquote, on Twitter. And it's just like, man, it, it also, it's just people just hate everybody on the app. There's there's no there's no grace on there. So for a, for a non Gen Zer, can you give me the definition of woke, please? Uh, people, I'm really that's bad good. at the words, I was so wondering because I just I just picture a shredded person who just got done with a crazy workout at the gym. No, no, absolutely not. No, somebody who I would say someone who's woke is someone who feels like they are just so knowledgeable of what actually is going on in the world. They're just like 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 all of this is actually a lie, and I don't know, not exactly conspiracy theory, but someone who thinks like, oh, this is like actually the truth. This is real. Like we are all like like somebody who thinks they're just totally like not part of like the system of the world. I think I would Urban Dictionary it, but someone who okay. just in, in their in their own sense thinks they 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 kind of know everything. That's not God, the best. I know it all. Uh, someone who thinks they yeah, I guess like know it all, but like. And so against like what like I guess like the government says. Gotcha. It's, it's, yeah, I would say so. So not, not an acronym. No. Okay, I just looked it up. Okay. It says diluted or fake awareness on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> okay. Yeah, someone who's like hyper aware of it. The act of being very pretentious about how much you care about a social issue. Oh. <laughs> we all woke then. We are all woke. Anyway. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right, Chelsea. What about what about you? Okay, I legitimately just had to Google social media apps to see which ones I actually <laughs> oh my use. Gosh. 
Trust me, I love you, the grandma of the group right now. <laughs> no, she got up at 5 a.m. just thinking about, oh gosh, social media. <laughs> Watch social media. For the past five hours, she's been anxious. <laughs> no. I, uh, so I have a Facebook. I don't go on Facebook, though. And I have an Instagram. And I post more than Taylor does. But I would say I don't have a favorite social media app. I like use it for like necessity for work in life, but that's it. And I would probably say all social media apps are my least favorite because I don't understand them. Maybe like I don't understand TikTok at all. I don't understand Snapchat. I don't understand like, I think it's just like, what's the point of this besides like, Posting dumb things. Like, I just think everything is dumb on <laughs> social media. I'm rolling my eyes right now. You can't tell, yeah. but I am. But. The opposite of woke. You're the opposite of woke. She knows sure. nothing. She knows yeah, nothing. Yeah, I know nothing. Like, yeah, I went on TikTok the other day, and I was like, I just don't understand this. Like, I just, <laughs> I don't. Think, Chelsea. You, I don't you, get it. You, you're probably a lot more... Uh, uh, like a lot more far along than so many other people because we'll get this get to this in a second probably but like social media is so like hurtful more than anything so for someone to be like I don't get any social media I'm like that's probably good <laughs> that's probably like yeah. good to like not like any of them I get Snapchat people won't text me but they'll Snapchat me and I'm like can I just get your phone number like it's I, I just want to text you it's odd you. to me because it's it's so much easier just to get a phone number and text someone with the whole like snap message thing, you gotta like take a photo and then you gotta type in the photo, you gotta send it, whereas you could just text them. You, you yeah. can you can message it, like you can just do like the messaging part on Snapchat. That's that's what people use. Maybe do. that's a hotel sign for my age, but <laughs> so I used to have Snapchat when it first came out in like 2013. And I deleted it and then I haven't gotten it back. And now when I meet a new person, they're like, oh, let me get your snap. And I'm like, I don't have a snap. And they're like, oh, what do you use to talk to people? I'm like, their phone number? <laughs> like, I call them or text them? And they're like, you call people? I'm like, yes. It's so crazy to me that when you tell people you don't have a Snapchat, they look at you like you're broken. They're like, not <laughs> like, computing up here. They're like, what's wrong with you? How old are you actually? <laughs> Yeah, it definitely gives away my age that I'm not 22. Um, Normally, but the follow-up question is, how old are you? And I'm like, 28. <laughs> That's so funny. Here's, here's my theory. I don't mean to get too off track, but here's my theory about why people ask for your Snapchat rather than your cell phone number. Um, I think getting someone's Snapchat is a lot less committal than getting someone's phone number. And it's a lot easier to just like lock someone like on Snapchat because you, or like ghost them. We've talked about ghosting a little bit on this, but like people can just like not reply to you like very easily on Snapchat or like block you or just delete you off of it. So if they just like, oh, I'm not interested in you, whatever, they can just like block you, whatever, and not talk to you again. So it's like testing the waters or whatever. When a phone number is like, there's a whole process of blocking someone's phone number and it's like super intimate. I don't know. That's That's been my kind of theory with it. That's so interesting because I think they're the same in my world. I'm like, I'm not going to respond to your text. No, I think you're right. I'd rather get a text message than a Snapchat. I think I understand the like security of 
just giving someone your Snapchat because you can just delete them as a friend and they can't just keep messaging you because you can block them. You can block a phone number, but like a phone number you use with like signing up for a credit card and signing up for all these other things. You don't use like banks aren't asking for your Snapchat. We may get there in the future, but they they're asking for your phone number. So it's that's so ridiculous. I just see how that I can see how that is is a belief and a thought. Okay, I want to know how uh, social media uh, personally has a negatively influenced you guys. I think it's really easy to talk about all the benefits of social media, staying close to family. And we'll, t- we'll, we'll talk about that, but staying close to family and, you know, helps you stay relevant like me, or it helps you like stay up to date on things that you care about. Um, there's a lot of good that can come from social media. Uh, but I'd love to know from you guys um, how social media has negatively influenced you. Um, and I can, I can start us off. Um, I think, I don't think, I don't even know how to talk about it, but uh, before social media blew up to what it is now, I was already a pretty anxious human. And uh, back in 2012, uh, I actually went to the hospital for anxiety. It turned into this much bigger thing than I thought it was. I had to go to counseling. I had like a, ses- a season of life where I had regular breathing sessions to learn how to like rebreathe during anxiety. And I bring that up to kind of parallel with what I'm talking about with social media. Um, I think if I were to just put a blanket statement on how social media has negatively affected me, it has directly it has direct correlation with just my anxiety levels as an adult. Um, and that comes from multiple seasons of life, if you will. Um, I remember when Alex and I had gotten engaged, there was like this pressure that you feel from like this worldly thinking of like, I have to tell my friends and we have to post, but you got to make sure you post not too far out and not like right after. Cause if you post right when you get engaged, then people are going to think, Oh, you don't care about your fiance. Now you're just in the moment and doing it for social media. But if you post too late, then you're not relevant. It's just, you have all these thoughts running through your head. But then at the same time, I wasn't expecting this a ton of comparison like, did we post right? What about the other people who got engaged? Are they going to think this is good? Are they going to like this? And then fast forward that a couple months into marriage. I remember we were on our honeymoon. We are in Mexico, and it was just like the pits, if you will, of some experiences. Like Alex got <laughs> stung by a bee. I got sand fleas. Didn't even know what those were. I got super sunburned because I was like, I'm brown. I don't need sunscreen. False. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff happened and immediately like our thoughts were, and we like had an argument about this on our honeymoon of like, Oh, our marriage sucks already. Look at all these other people who posted their honeymoon experiences. And it looks like they're so in love and everything's so awesome. And, uh, those are just two incidences of how I was like being shaped by and, molded by and my emotional state was being affected by social media. And Mm -hmm. in both of those examples, my anxiety, like looking back objectively, my anxiety's level was 
so much higher to the point where I'm like snapping at Alex or I'm like staring at a wall because I can't find motivation to go do something. Um, or I'm like in this rut of I can't think clearly because my anxiety is so high. So I think for me personally, the the way that social media has most negatively influenced me is just increased levels of anxiety almost every mm-hmm. time that I'm regularly using it. Yeah, I think I would say for me, like it's similar in like the comparison game, but I don't think it causes anxiety in me. I think it causes like it hits on the, well, I'm, I'm not arriving in life right now, so I'm just going to give up portion mm-hmm. of me. And I think that really like speaks like I've like struggled with depression off and on for the last couple of years. And I think that when I'm in a, a mood, like I'm already down casted and I'm on social media comparing my life to people around me or people younger than me, like, Oh, like they're getting married. They already have like seven kids. I'm still single. Like, and I have a new roommate or I am now moving into my 50, 15th apartment this year. Or like, I don't make that much money or like it speaks so much into like my arrival status, if you will, like, Oh, I'm, I'm this old. So I should have all these things figured out. I don't. And so I'm failing at life and it speaks to like, I'm failing. Like I'm a failure. Like I don't have it together. Like I'm just like, it really speaks, I think a lot to my identity of like a, your value is where your success is. And I think that's really hard, like not to get like into a place that like, what's the point of moving forward if I am already failing at it, if that makes sense. And I'm that kind of person, like if I'm not going to be good at it, I don't want to do it like math. Like I don't like math because I'm not naturally good at math. And so I don't try. And so sometimes it speaks to like, if I'm in a really bad or dark moment or season, it will like speak to what's the point of keep of trying more into mm-hmm. that. I got really deep, really fast. And I'm really sorry about that, but no, you're good. Here That's we are. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see that like the achievement of other people and like you look at the worst part of your lack of achievement, compare that to the best part of their perceived achievement. And it's like, Oh, they have six figures coming in and the perfect house. And I'm over here and yeah, this apartment that has a hole in the wall. Yeah. And even I think like for like being like a Christian woman, like not dating for a long time and seeing all these people like in their early twenties, like getting engaged and getting married and me like, am I not like beautiful enough or am I not this Mm -hmm. enough or am I not this enough or am I too much of, am I too loud? Am I too assertive? Am I too strong willed? that no one wants to date me or be with me or marry me. And that spoke a lot to like a lot of insecurities. And then like kind of even more into my identity of like, oh, well, I'm this or I'll never get married. And that is like a lot of comparison of women against women. Like, oh, she's more beautiful. Like she's the standard of the perfect Christian woman. And I'm just not, so I can't have the things that she has. Yeah. That's real. What about you, Ronnie? Yeah, uh, I compare to, to you guys a lot. Not compare, sorry. I, I relate to you guys a lot. Sorry. <laughs> Choice of words were very poor. 
All right, well now, now it's a little bit lighter. Uh, sorry, I relate to you guys a lot with that, with obviously the, the comparison game of, I think everyone does it, you know, no matter who you are. I think even those people you're talking to Chelsea who are pushing about their lives and how they make six figures and have this big house and this family, like they're just as much comparing themselves to the people who are higher up than them to the, even maybe like celebrities that, you know, have mansions and, you know, maybe don't have kids. So they have a lot more money, more money um, or, you know, people who are just like, man, I don't want that life. Or, and so maybe, maybe they want a more simpler life, but they're posting it because it looks cool. And so um, comparison is just real overall when it comes to social media. Um, I think how it's mostly neg- negatively impacted me. Um, that's something that I've just been thinking and processing in my life for a while is just, I think it's really, it's really, for one, it's taken up so much of my free time. And because I, I just love to mindlessly scroll. I'm, I'm really, it's, I'm, it's really easy for me just to really get caught and just like, uh, I'm going to be on my phone for like 10 minutes on this app. And then I'm on there for like 20 and then 30 and four minutes and stuff. And I'm like, well, I wasted most of my morning, you know, and then I could have gotten up, I could have made breakfast, I could have showered, I could have ran errands, but I was just stuck on my phone. And so it's mm. really allowed me to, um, really just kind of like hang back and like be, be kind of lazy for, for a while. And, you know, it's, it's like right now I'm giving up TikTok for, for Lent until, until Easter, but that doesn't mean I, you know, I'm not like also on other social media apps and like, I'm like trying to like do work on my phone. And then I'll all of a sudden realize that like, Oh, I'm on Instagram. I'm scrolling this for like 10, 10 minutes. I wasted 10 minutes of work today. And so I've, I've realized like, it just adds up. If I look back on mm. my life, if I can ever see how much time I have, wasted on social media by just scrolling and not really gaining anything from it like that's it's it it probably takes up so much like i could have done so much in that time and so i think what's what's happening to that is that it it killed like a lot of potential like creativity like growing up i think because a lot of times and maybe this is me like beating myself up but just like a lot of times instead of like scrolling through facebook or instagram and just doing nothing like I could have picked up a hobby. I could have learned how to like play the guitar. I could have like, or any other instrument I could have, you know, learned how to do, I don't know, whatever else, but you know, I could have like picked something up. I could have done something else with my time, but I had, you know, I didn't say I was on my phone scrolling through people who are also playing guitar and like looking at them, like look at them. They're masters at guitars. I'm never going to be that. Keep scrolling, keep scrolling, not doing anything about it. You know, maybe that's a more deep hearted issue or deep rooted issue that I could be facing. But, um, yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think those two things are just, it's wasted so much of my time in my life. And it's also killed a lot of like creativity that I could have had in the future. Not to say that at the age of 23, almost 24, I could start playing guitar or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's the only example I can think of right now, Uh, but I can start doing that, but it's just, yeah, I think that I think that's actually a big thing that's that's hurt for me. Yeah. It feels like for all of us, and I'm sure most people, that social media brings out the worst in us, like the deepest insecurity, the deepest mm-hmm. fear, the deepest, like the the deepest desire, but it highlights the negative. Like my my desire is to have a good marriage, but I it's highlighting the the areas that it's not great. Or like my desire to be a awesome guitar player, but I'm not. So you know, like the the negative 
or like the the places that we're missing in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think I've, I've noticed this in myself. There's this reality of online identity, if almost if you want to call it that, of I only portray what's best. Like mm-hmm. name how many times someone's posted like, well, I had a terrible day. I slammed my car into a sidewalk and it killed my bumper. And then my cat died and a bunch of other stuff. Like that's not a regular post. And so what you're kind of showcasing to everyone around you is, Oh, I'm, I'm always good. Like there's no problem unless I have that thing that I'm raging about, but I'm always good. And then I think that translate, it definitely does for me. It translates into your personal life. And it's almost like this habit, bad, bad habit that you adopt that is, if you could give it a statement, only show perfect. Like I'm only going to show you the good attributes of Taylor. I'm only going to show you the good attributes of Alex. I'm only going to show you how great I am, what I love to do. And I think I've, I've noticed when I'm really deep in, or when I have been really deep into social media that I I have to allow my personal life to reflect my online life in the mm-hmm. sense that my online, online life is actually ruling my personal life because I can only give you what's good. And there's way, way too much brokenness and the connectivity between humans when you're doing that. And I've, that's been something that I've, I've noticed in my relationship with social media is I can only show you what's best. I can only show you what's good rather than letting you into the garbage that everyone has, has been something that's really affected me. Which is interesting because people do post about like their garbage or like sometimes like I've seen pictures of like people like I cried today and that's a picture of them crying. And I think that's like, admirable you want to show the hard things about your life, but also it makes it feel like, I wouldn't want to share those parts on social media because I'm not actually being known in those moments of hardship. And it's like shallow knowing like, Oh, here I had a bad day. I'm like, cool. Like, I don't know you. I don't know like what I'm supposed to do with this information, but like to let someone in of like, I'm really sad. I had a hard day. I hit someone's car today. That's a hard thing. But to show that to someone who knows you and knows how to comfort you or like to speak truth over you instead of just like these really shallow comments of comfort, like, oh, it'll be okay. And it's like, maybe it won't be okay. Sometimes we need to hear that. Like, no, you done messed up and like, but you're, there's grace for you in those moments or like there's this doesn't define you. Yeah. But I think that is that those comments are weightier when that person actually knows you and has seen your whole life and not just what you decide to post. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I, I think, I think it just showcases how the world is kind of in this bubble of I'm only like you're showing, you're giving up, you're being vulnerable online, but that's also not giving you the true connect connection that humans are supposed to have. So like Chelsea, you've got friends that you live with best friends that you have. And if you were to hit someone 
else in their car with your car. No one gets hurt, but there's like a ton of financial damage to your car. You have to pay for their car, your car. You're going to go home and I don't know if you cry a whole lot, but maybe cry to the people who you love and trust the most um, or just be sad next to them. Um, And what you're talking about is when someone posts online, they may have never, they may never have had that social interaction face to face. And so the best thing that they know how to do is I'm going to jump on social media and post this story and then get all of my followers to sympathize what's going on, which sure feels good, but isn't genuine human connection where you're sitting across from someone with the ability to cry in front of them and weep in front of them or just be sad next to them or anxious and kind of dump all your anxiety in front of them so that they can see like you're missing out on that intimate connection. And, and I think that much of maybe Gen Z or younger people don't know how to do that well, because social media has been around since really they were born. Um, Yeah. Which I think even like we've all heard like, Oh, millennials and Gen Z are like the loneliest generation. Like, yeah, because you don't have anyone who actually knows you. You just have like your social media friends who just like, see what you want them to see and you're not allowing people to even like press in like well why are you sad like why did it bother you so much like okay this this actually happened to me i hit someone's car in my parking lot (laughs) like bringing up scars (laughs) yeah and i was like so upset i didn't post on social media and uh thankfully they're like not a big deal my dad can fix it so i didn't have to pay for anything but i see their car and i see their dent that I did. It's a really big dent, you guys. It's so embarrassing. And I see it and the shame comes in every time I see their car. But like when I hit their car, it was like, you're like me believing lies about myself. Like you're a bad driver. You're an idiot. You didn't look behind you. And like all the, in my defense, they were parked in the middle of the parking lot, like not in the (laughs) parking spot. So just, I'm not a bad driver. I don't think, but you know, like all these things that you could so easily believe about yourself because you did something bad or wrong. And I didn't post it on social media, but I told my roommate about it. And she's like, Chelsea, it's totally fine. Like you got hurt. Your car is fine. Like you have insurance, like to have someone speak like truth, like logical truth and not just like feelings where I think like on social media, maybe someone could have said the same thing. Maybe they didn't know me as well as my roommate knows me. She like really like could easily talk me down because she knew where I was going. Like she knew the the root of why I was saying those things, like the deepest insecurity of me. And she spoke directly to that and not just like what she saw or social media. Like you can only speak to what you see because you don't maybe don't know that person. Totally. Or like don't know. Like even like, you know, like I follow a bunch of celebrities. If they post something deep about their life, I'm like, I don't really know you and I don't know what you're saying. I also don't know if it's real. Like, you might be just saying this to seem deep or to seem whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's also hard because you're like, what's actually real and what's not? What are you only allowing me to see instead of when you're up close with someone? Like, my roommate has seen the pits of me because I can't always control that of myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if I get annoyed or angry, like she sees how I react in a really horrible way sometimes Totally, Maybe because it's, she's living life on life and not just like what I decide to post. It's the, you, you touched on it. It's the control thing. I, 
I mean, just for the sake of imagery, going back to the whole like Snapchat, no Snapchat, phone number, no phone number. On an on with an online world and an online presence and an online community with an online following, I've noticed this in myself. It's like I get to choose what my followers see, and if if at the end of the day, just like with Snapchat, I can ghost them. It's like less committal. I can one day not post. I can one day not share with you how anxious I am. I can one day share with you how awesome my wife is. And then the next day we could get in the biggest fight in the entire world. I can control all of that. But what I've noticed in maybe younger generations and even a temptation within myself is like, I, I can live in the ease of an online community, which is at its core broken in human intimacy or can enter to the difficult space of genuine human connection where I don't have much control. And mm. I, that is terrifying. That is so terrifying. And that's why I think that's one of many reasons. I think that's one of the bigger reasons why social media is where it is, is because mm. humans can control what people see and therefore their perception of yourself and your built up perception of yourself, which is weird if you go down the psychology of that too much, but um, what it's all building and yielding is a, a really non-connected human group of people that are overly connected with this like false narrative of mm -hmm. what's actually true because of their online world. And so for, like I shared earlier, for me with my anxiety, it's like, holy, we're just dropping bombs on Taylor's anxiety when he lives in that space too long. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people find a lot of comfort when they're behind a screen. Um, I've seen so much on TikTok. If you're watching this and you, you're, if you're ever in the comment section of TikTok, people have the most opinions on the comment section. People love to just like say whatever they want to do because, you know, if it's something about political, everybody will jump on there and tell the person who posted it that they're wrong, whatever, da, 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 da. Um, but no one is going to go up to that person, like in person, in front of them, to their face and say what they said in the comment section. It's not because they don't have to deal with that consequence. They can just post it. They, here's, they just post a comment, whatever. It's offhanded, saying you're wrong, you're stupid, whatever. Um, and then they'll just leave. But like the person who isn't, who's reading those comments, i.e. me sometimes seeing those comments, I'm like, dude that's super rude. You're just going to say that and go away. And then people love to just like bicker and fight in the comment section. This is like everywhere on, on so many social media platforms. People just love to, because um, they're not in front of them. You know, they're, it's not as intimate. They're behind the screen. They're, you know, you're in one place, they're probably in a different state. Who cares? And so a lot of people just find a comfort when they're behind the screen and there's like no, com not, not committal saying to Taylor. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have two thoughts. The first one is, if you are unwilling to say it to someone's face, you should not say it. In a comment, in a text, like, if you Absolutely. cannot say something to something's face, then you should not say it at all. It's kind of like, the, you have nothing media. nice to say, don't want to say it at all. But, like, even, like, when people mumble something, if you are unwilling to say it loud enough for all of us to hear, then don't say it out loud at all. That's mm -hmm. just my hot take. It's, like, when I, it's a new pet peeve I've come to have. No, because absolutely. people do that all the time. And, and I'm like, I say, say it, say it out loud for all for say it loud enough for the people in the back. <laughs> but 
The other thing I was thinking of when you were talking, Ronnie, of like people love to hide behind the screen. Um, like in the Bible, Jesus talks about like living in the light. Mm-hmm. And I think like social media helps living in the dark. Like it's easy, it's comfortable to live in the dark because you can't see. Mm-hmm. And even with that, like even what you're saying, Taylor, of like drawing bombs on your anxiety, like people don't know that because everything is dark. And so you don't know what you're dropping bombs. You don't know mm-hmm. like what, even like when people post like good, great things, like I think people don't realize what that actually is affecting other people on their, on their feed. Like if I post this, like, 30 pictures of my fiance. Are you thinking about how that might be causing comparison in your friends' lives? No, because you're not thinking about them. You're thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about how like these other things are maybe triggering to people or like causing comparison towards others instead of the opposite. That makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. And it's a very interesting thought. Like as, as a human being, I'm going to choose not to show showcase, share, Tweet, snap, MySpace, this uh, photo, because it could only add to the fuel and fire of comparing and the pits of social media and anxiety and and what that looks like. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, you are living in the dark when you're on social media. Humans just don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is even like as Christians, like, Jesus tells us to go into the light because he knows the light is exposing, right? When you are in a well-lit room, you can see everything and you can feel every, like, you know where everything is. But if you're in the dark, you're like, like, you know, like when you wake up to get a drink of water and you're like stumbling to the kitchen because you're not really sure where the walls are. Mm-hmm. Like it's the same in our lives. And when we're on social media, like I'm just stumbling. So I'm just going to post random things and like, and not actually expose myself in a way mm-hmm. that is like, look at for all all of me in all of these ways. And but we love it. We love the dark. And God knows that. Like God knows that we love the dark. And that's why he calls us out into into the light. He's like, you love the dark. You don't even know how bad the dark is because you can't mm-hmm. see. And on top of that, I would add that Satan also loves that you love the dark. And so he's just gonna that's why social media can be so anxiety inducing so often because you're in the dark and he's like Oh, I love that you're in the dark. I'm going to comparison, a little salt to that. Let's throw it. I did salt by with my hand for those of you that couldn't see. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good. Okay. I, I We're kind of getting close to the end of, of today's um, podcast. So I, I don't want to just talk about social media in a negative light, although there is a lot of negativeness with social media. There is also some positive. And so as a last question uh, for us um, in this episode, what is one positive thing that you guys have experienced that you believe about that you think through when you think about social media? For me, um, because Alex and I's family is so spread out throughout not only the Northwest, not only the United States, um, globally, we've got like family members in Scotland and all over the place. Um, it helps us see our cousins and family members grow up. Like I've got an uncle who lives in Texas who I'm very close with and they've got three children and because of the pandemic, I haven't even met their daughter um, or really like got to experience their daughter. Um, but to see like photos of them in the backyard playing, doing jumping jacks and like this little kid workout thing that they're recording is 
I would rather have that than not have it at all because I get to watch my cousins grow up. Um, and then similarly, we've had lots of friends um, like leave to go start churches in other parts of the Northwest and they've all had kids now. And I can think of a good friend, Juan, who's in Pocatello and watching his son Emerson grow up has been like, I, if I didn't have social media, all I would have is the one visit that we had this last summer down in Pocatello. Um, so just the fact that I get to watch family and friends grow up. Yeah, I think for me, it is, it, it really depends how you use it, but I think reaching such a wide audience, um, there's kind of two parts of this for me. For one, um, if y'all don't know, we're all on staff with, with, with a church called Resonate Church, and we all have to support race. If you guys don't know what that is, uh, we ask people, hey, would you uh, be willing to join our support team and uh, uh, financially give uh, once a month, once I'm giving, whatever. Um, and I think that's been like, that was really hard for me for a long time. So it's hard to find people to uh, to do it. You know, you, you you go through however many on faith, how many people on Facebook or whatever. Um, but I made an Instagram account and a lot of people have done this in our church, making Instagram accounts for our support to update people on our supporters and like where we're at and what our job is and yada, yada, yada. Um, and it's been a really great way to like reach out to more people and ask people to be um, part of my support team and, and keep up to date with it. Um, and another side of that is, um, th- so I did start posting on TikTok, I think like a year ago, because I was like, I can do this. This is fine. Um, and I started making like, I would say decently funny content. And like, people started to like around campus be like, hey, you're that guy on TikTok, aren't you? And I was like, uh, uh, this is so new to me. I, I didn't was going to go this far because um, a couple <laughs> of videos like got like decently, decently viral. And so it was really cool. Um, cause I did them with just about like Washington or, or something like that. I don't know, but like people like around campus, like people like part of like, um, s- student body, uh, presidents or whatever, whatever, ASCWU. Yeah, whatever. Um, they would be like, aren't you like semi-famous on TikTok? I'm like, I don't know. Like I, that's such a broad thing. Um, but like, it was cool to see that people would like come up to me and be like, Hey, I like your content. You are a funny person. I was like, that's, I've never met you in my life. <laughs> like, and that is so cool that I can like reach out to you in that way. Um, and I can actually like, I can just post it and like, you, you can love it. Along with that comes with a lot of hate uh, for people who don't know. I kind of diss on Tacoma in one of my videos and I'm sorry if you're from Tacoma. I don't hate Tacoma, but actually it was just funny for a video, but I got a lot of hate on that. That's it. That's a whole other side of that. But um yeah, Taylor is dying. Taylor is dying. I don't know about much, but yeah. <laughs> Just the whole TikTok journey is I love it. I love it. I gained this a total full circle. I gained a supporter from someone who followed me on TikTok and it was really cool. So that's great. That's a also cool story. Yeah. Um I would say I think the awareness of the world has mm. been highlighted in social media and people are learning that the world is so much bigger than their town or their state or even like America and that there is so much happening in the world and like you can easily find out about those things also there's a lot of misinformation but I even think for me when I lived overseas like being able to post about my life and having my friends and family see what I was seeing and like living in real time what I was living and like posting about the new and fun experiences that I was having, but also like helping people to see that the world is such a diverse and beautiful place 
Mm. And we should celebrate that diversity and not just live in ignorance, but like seek to understand the world more. That's good. You just brought that whole thinking to my perspective on social media. So thank you. I like that. Um, Well, that wraps up our, uh, our conversation about social media and kind of our relationship to it. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The World As We Know It. Please subscribe where you get your podcasts and leave us a review. And if you love our podcast, share it with your friends. The World As We Know It is a Resonate Church podcast. Your hosts are me, Chelsea Kessler, Ronnie Hindman, and Taylor Garnica. Sound production by Shane Thompson, production by Eric Sear, Chris Rowden, and Emily Scheid. Our cover art was designed by Haley Seavey, music by Ghost Rifter Official.